This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today we have the founder of Saturate, Jeff Vanderstelt, joining us to talk about what Saturate is, uh, why it exists, why we put all of this energy and resources and and love towards uh, this organization that we hope uh, makes a huge, important difference. So, Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. And uh, before we sort of jump into that topic, I'd love to to hear what's going on in your own missional community life. You know, you've kind of uh, sparked in some ways this movement towards uh, people living out their their identity in Christ in these missional communities. So I think it'd be super interesting to hear what it's like for you these days uh, to live life in an MC. Well, the last, I'd say, nine months uh, for our missional community has been incredibly formative and honestly painful as we have worked through relational conflict, dealing with significant past wounds in our own stories, uh, just learning how to love each other and when it's not easy. And yet, Hmm. I'd say, by God's grace, we've pressed in to each other, pressed into the Lord, experienced some healing. We still have a long way to go, but um, we're doing the hard work. I tell people all the time, discipleship isn't just out there. It's also in here. And I think Mm. the beauty and the challenge of a missional community is that you eventually can't avoid your own brokenness or the brokenness of others, which is the beauty, I think, of it, because then you actually get to to see the gospel come to bear in powerful and transforming ways. So we're going through that, which has been really hard and emotionally tiring, and yet uh, we're coming into a season where a lot of our mission is to uh, the football team that my son plays on, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the high school uh, that kind of houses the whole football program. And so this is football season, and uh, we work with Young Life as well. And so the, the, we just had a meeting last night with our mission community, and it felt like God's been using all the pain and challenge and trial of the last several mm-hmm. months to form us. You know, it's like you see God's people in yeah. exile in Babylon, and it's because he's, he's, he's both disciplining them, but also forming them to be the people he always wanted, wanted them to be. And I would feel like that's what's happening with us. And mm-hmm. so last night was kind of a sweet uh, time of fellowship, of sharing honestly what God's doing to change us. But then we've been working on clarifying how we're going to be effectively on mission the last several weeks. And it felt like last night was a bit of an exclamation point for us saying, yes, we're ready. Yes, let's get get to mis- out in the mission field. We God's done a good work in us. Now yeah. let's start to bring that out. So I'm really, really hopeful and anticipating really good work ahead but i you know it it has come with a cost and um Hmm. jesus meant it you know when he defined the cost of discipleship (laughs) it's real and and yet i don't regret it it's been it's been uh incredibly hard and very very uh life transforming for all of us so yeah that's super exciting too i'm i imagine even for the missions to, to so uh clearly include your son and your children and, and just your your own daily life 
Uh, that sounds really beautiful. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, after we're done with this, I, I head off to watch his, his scrimmage, and and then tomorrow night we go watch the high school game, and we've got a member in our mission community who's the quarterback, and his mom is the booster club president. Oh, that's cool. And uh, we'll be handing out programs and, you know, and then eventually doing post-football parties at our homes, and, like, it's it's kicking in. We're getting started. It's fun stuff. That's so cool. And, you know, I was talking to Jared Pickney, a few days ago about how often we miss God's providence in leading mm-hmm. us towards common mission. So like so many times communities are trying to find what mission they should focus on together and they miss all of those sorts of pieces, kind of like what you just sort of described of God's providence of putting you in a community where, you know, mom's a booster for the football team, son is a quarterback, your own son is in the football, like all of those pieces are God's actual providence towards mission so that's yeah yeah it is i I think it's beautiful when you can just step back and say god open our eyes show us the harvest tell us how we can get involved and you know we have people in our missional community that don't have kids at the school or even in the program but they god's given them a heart for different aspects of what we're doing whether that's reaching out to single moms and that have sons on the team or uh, getting behind funding mm. the work because they have they're people of means and they love to give. I mean, there's a variety of ways people can get involved. So it's yeah, it's cool to see everybody having a part. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Jeff, to kind of shift into saturate this saturate the world, a global picture. Just sort of talking about you know a, a group of families in Bellevue, Washington, now sort of going to huge picture to the whole globe. What exactly uh, is saturate and to kind of put you on the spot to take all of this work that we're doing and and sort of make it simple and short. But what is it exactly that we're trying to do as an organization? Well, I think the simple statement would be we're we're trying to come alongside individuals, leaders, and churches to equip them to be effective disciple makers. I mean, that's the simple answer. The the big picture is we, we believe the scriptures when we hear uh, the prophets say, like in Habakkuk, uh, there will be a day when the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Uh, we, we see that as saturation, mm-hmm. a day when every man, woman, and child will get to have an, uh, an encounter with a very real reality and truth mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ through his people, the church. And uh, so our desire is really just to come alongside of the church the leaders and the people who are the church and it provide the best resourcing, equipping, coaching, mentoring, and learning communities to really help them live that out. And ultimately, our hope is mm-hmm. to see saturation hubs established in every major city where churches are, are working together in unity, equipping their people for everyday life on mission and helping them do that uh, together where they live, work, learn, and play. That's really what we're, we're trying to see all of life saturated mm. with God's people on mission. And we really believe that the church is God's means to do that, mm. and the leaders of the church are called to equip the church to do that, and when God's people are doing it in everyday life, uh, we, will, we will get to see remarkable world effects. And uh, we believe God loves all the nations, and he intended to make disciples of all nations, and he meant to do it in all of life. So that's we're just committed mm-hmm. to, to coming alongside of the church leaders and individuals to help them do that. Yeah, I obviously love that vision, uh, giving a, a pretty yeah substantial portion of my life these days to, to working in a small piece of that. And uh, it really is 
remarkable to, to see a lot of that even happening already. That it's not just something on a website, but we we actually get to see churches working together, individuals, even missional community leaders, you know, take take steps into being who God made them to be in all of these mundane but really yeah. miraculous areas of life. So it is. It's amazing. And it's amazing that we get to be part of it. <laughs> so, Jeff, that's obviously amazing vision. It's sort of as well the the Great Commission, the vision that the church has always had. Uh, but you're kind of putting uh, an organization and providing a strategic direction even towards towards saturate saturate. But you're also a, a pastor in a local congregation. You're a father. Uh, you're a husband. You have disciples that you're making, a staff to oversee. You have friends who who don't believe uh, that you're trying to shepherd into the gospel and you're pursuing. Uh, why even mess with saturate? Why why even try to do that? Why not just you know write books, uh, take a few speaking engagements, stuff like that? Why what compels you to kind of spearhead saturate? Vision is probably part of that, but yeah, there might be something more there. Well, I think it goes back to when we started the first church in Tacoma, Soma, Tacoma, and our heart was to equip people to be on the front lines of everyday mission and really be faithful to what we see the scriptures command. And as we saw people start to get it and live it out, there was an interest from people elsewhere to come learn. And so they'd come and stay with us. And some even moved and lived with us for a while to learn what we were doing. And that turned into formal training that we called Soma School, and then that eventually led to a family of churches around North America and even extending to other parts of the world now that are living this out. And people started to lean in and, and ask for help. And uh, for a season, Soma tried to do that, and mm-hmm. yet it, it potentially it had potential to compromise the local church's mission because we could start spending all of our time helping everyone else but neglect to care for the flock under our care. But we knew, we just knew that we weren't released from it either. There's this tension that I felt and others felt to be faithful to steward what God gave us, to serve the, the, the larger church, not just be about ourselves or our own city, and yet not to neglect the care of the local body and, and, and thereby disqualify ourselves from anything we're saying. Because as soon as you stop practicing, being a practitioner of the things you're teaching, you you lose credibility. Yeah. And so we it was that tension that led us to start Saturate and to say, is it possible that we could still serve the church, invite mm. more people other than just Soma uh, leader in, leaders into it, uh, start to unite churches around it so it doesn't just become our thing, but it's really just joining in with what we see God doing all around the world. And so, I mean, it's interesting that you asked this question because mm-hmm. even this morning I woke up and I was in bed you know, I don't know how many people do this, but just laying in bed thinking about all the things on my plate and, you know, which leads me usually to get up and go pray because I'm overwhelmed. And, and as I was laying in bed, I, I had that question, like, why are yeah. we doing this? Like, is this really how I should spend my time? And then the next thought was, how could I not? Because I just, I believe we're supposed to store what God gave us for the, the kingdom. And I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to sleep if we didn't serve the larger church. Uh, I'm convinced God is at work throughout the globe, uh, in some ways awakening his church to what he has always wanted for us. And the spirit, in a sense, the wind of the spirit is blowing Hmm. across churches, bringing new life. Uh, And, Hmm. and yet God also 
doesn't just breathe through the wind of the Spirit new life. He also uses teachers and pastors and apostles and shepherds and prophets to equip the saints. And so my, my conviction for mm-hmm. a long time has been that that's part of what God's called me to do. Uh, is to be faithful to steward this for the good of the kingdom and the glory mm. of Jesus, and I I can't sleep if we're not if we're not going to see these these countries and these key cities saturated with the gospel. I just can't. So it's just it, it's just I'm so compelled by the Spirit to continue to give myself yeah. to it, and yet I'm completely overwhelmed if I'm honest at the thought of how much work is ahead. And that's where I just go, God, you've got to provide the workers and you've got to make it happen. And we're just absolutely desperate and dependent on you, which I think that's the other Mm -hmm. reason why I'm doing it. Because I've I've found in my life I'm most most well connected to God when I'm most aware of my need for God. And so (laughs) for some reason, God wired me that way. And and something Mm -hmm. like Saturate keeps me completely (laughs) dependent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that because, yeah, anyone who's been around you has seen the energy, the passion, the capacity that you have just to connect with people to keep going. You know, I've witnessed that several times. You can go for like 72 hours straight, it feels like. And so, yeah, I can totally see how it would take something like Saturate to put you in that place of, oh, I, I this is where I hit the <laughs> wall and... I'm totally dependent on God for for every next step. And I think this, yeah, so this next question uh, is the one I'm most excited about, Brad, maybe. B- before you before you go to that, can I say one more thing? Yeah. I think the other uh, the other reason why, uh, for me, saturation, the Saturate vision and the, the work we do is so compelling and I can't walk away from it is because when we first, when we first started SOMA, God just woke me up as I read Ephesians hmm. and I specifically, and this is why where we got the name Soma from was chapter one, 22 and 23, where the, the word body is there. It's the Greek word Soma. And where Paul talks about, uh, you know, Christ has been given authority over all things and he's the head over all things for the church, which is his body in which he wants to fill, he will fill all things in every way. And so this picture of Jesus as head of his body, the church, and all things being under his mm. feet, which means it's under us. Like, as I, just this, this idea that as we are connected to Christ, we're also connected to the authority of Christ over all things. Mm. And therefore the church with Christ as head is meant to exercise the dominion of Christ over all things, to bring his rule and reign into absolutely every space of life so that he might fill all in all. And so it's, it was that vision that captured mm. me. It's just, I, I, I couldn't see church as an event on Sunday anymore. I just see it as the people of God sent into every crack and crevice of society mm. with the very presence of Christ to bring the dominion, mm. the, the reality of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ to every place through us as people. And so uh, the vision mm. that Paul paints of this universal expression of Christ's presence and grace and love and and every aspect of his holiness and goodness to all of life. It just, I can't, I can't not be about that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and that's really at the heart of why we're doing this. It's just, Jesus, this yeah. is who you are, and this is who we are, and this mm-hmm. is what you are doing, and this is what you will do. You are mm-hmm. going to do it. So I want to be involved in the mm-hmm. things that Jesus is doing, and I want to join him in what he's going to accomplish. So that yeah. that's, 
at the heart of it, it's, just, it's that call, that picture yeah. that Paul gives us of what we really are in Christ. Right, which is true for all of us. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I want everybody to get that, because if everybody yeah. got it, it would be remarkable. I mean, it would, it would change yeah. absolutely everything we do. Yeah, we would go to bed each night, like you, you know, just described, thinking, man, I can't wait to get up the next morning and see how everything in my life is getting put uh, in order and everything is about the gospel coming uh, to play, that there's not a single aspect of my life and culture, society, where Christ isn't speaking into and Christ doesn't have authority to speak right. into. That would be culture shifting dramatically, wouldn't mm. it? I sure would. Yeah, which is uh, sort of the next question. You know, you get to talk to lots of leaders around the country, around the globe. Uh, what are some of the things that you kind of see as, as the movement of making disciples uh, continues to grow uh, here and as well as around the world? What do you see as you look into the future and what excites you the most about uh, the church and the movement of God here uh, today? Well, in some ways, uh, the church, especially in the West, is increasingly on the margin now. Mm -hmm. And some people, that freaks them out. To me, that gets me excited. Uh, yeah. Because I'm convinced that when the syncretism of church and culture have so become one, that you can't tell mm -hmm. the difference, that in a lot of ways, the the power of God's people set apart for his purposes in the world gets so diminished or diluted. And yet when you're on the margin, when you no longer have the privileged center, when you feel mm -hmm. the exilic nature of being God's people set apart for a purpose, but still in the world, I think that, I think something happens. I think you, I think it reignites yeah. not only a passion, but an awareness for why we're here. And, you know, if you just look at history, uh, throughout history, whenever God's people suffer or go through persecution or experience rejection, the gospel witness only grows stronger. The unity only gets clearer. The, the true mm. nature of who are disciples of Jesus and who aren't becomes obvious. Um, and so, you know, whether it's I mean, if you think about it, the biblical narrative is of an exilic people, whether it's Adam and Eve being driven out of the garden or. Israel right. and Babylon uh, being disciplined, but also being prepared to be a blessing to the nations. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's who we are. We're exilic. And so I, I think as I go around the country and around the world, what I'm excited about is not only that that reality is forcing us to take seriously why we were saved and why we're here, but mm -hmm. it's also pu it's pushing leaders together. You know, I'm seeing, a, mm -hmm. uh, a, at least in my day, I've never, since I've been doing ministry and it's been about 26 years now, I've never seen uh, a desire to be united as one church on one mission. And yet at the same time, there's yeah. also, I can see a potential for incredible division over, yeah. you know, all kinds of issues we're walking through right now that are important issues to talk about. But what, what I do appreciate, like especially here in Seattle, and I think this is true of other places where we're very aware that we're the minority, um, there's this there's this, this kind of, we need each other. People just know it. Like I just meet with a leader the other day, and he's like, yeah. man, when we talk in other parts of the country, some of them are just starting to realize what we've known for a while in Seattle, and that is we can't do this without each other. Like we we got to work mm -hmm. together. And so 
I'm seeing, you know, places like New York and uh, San Francisco and Phoenix and L.A. and San, San Diego and Seattle and Portland and Montreal, Vancouver. I mean, I could keep going. The key cities in North America, yeah. especially, are starting to have leaders come together and saying, we, we've, we've got to do this together. And then the second thing I'm yeah. seeing them saying is, we've got to stop just running services on Sunday. We have got to... We've yeah. got to equip God's people. We are not doing it. I'm working with a very large Presbyterian church here in our city, very historic, well-respected, uh, wonderful leadership. But they are saying, you know what, we've got to stop talking about mission and actually get to it. We've got we to gotta rearrange whatever yeah. we've got to rearrange to be faithful to Jesus' commands. And, and at the same time, they're saying, mm-hmm. we don't even know how to do it. Jeff, can we work together? So it's, it's forcing us to come together as churches to work together. Uh, because the mission requires it, and we're all lacking in some way. So unity, yeah. collective disciple-making, uh, a vision to reach a city together, uh, you know, the stuff that City to City's doing, you know, coming out of Redeemer in Manhattan, uh, the stuff that Christ Together's doing that has its roots in a variety of places around the country, stuff that I'm seeing C to C, which started as a Canadian network, but now it's all North America, um, I mean, there's just so many different movements that are starting to you're starting to get traction, and they're saying, "Let's all join together and work together." So, I think that's what I'm most excited yeah. about um, is is this hmm. the unity of the church, the understanding that we're a minority. Uh, where I get sad mm-hmm. is where people get scared, and you know they they kind of go hide out in a shelter. It's like, no, 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 we're best. When we're in this situation, this is where we get to profoundly be a blessing because when you're in the majority culture, then it, it looks like just rich mm-hmm. people blessing everybody because they're rich. When you're minority culture right. and you decide still to bless your enemies or pray for those who persecute you or be, do good to the city that you're in, even if they don't give you anything in return or don't give you pri- privilege or status or recognition, now the gospel stands out something altogether different. So we have a great opportunity, I think, yeah. to really shine brightly in this in this season. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that's even some of what I've noticed as we've kind of watched some of the footage uh, with Hurricane Harvey in Houston, uh, how many people, because the stakes are so high, people are just getting in whatever boat, jet ski, flotation device they have, and they're like banding together to go rescue however many people they can go and rescue. Because, and it doesn't matter, no one's asking about the past election, no one's asking what church they belong to, but they're just driven by, oh, there's so many people that need to be rescued, and and the stakes are so high. I see that same thing happening in the church in America, too. I'm I'm convinced that what is going on in Houston uh, gives for us, in a sense, a prophetic vision for what God wants to happen all Mm -hmm. across the earth, that... That there is a flood yeah. all over the place of destruction. That there are people drowning mm-hmm. in sorrow and depression and discouragement and isolation and all kinds of things. And if we could see the spiritual realities in the way we're seeing what's happening mm-hmm. in, in uh, Texas, if we could see the world that way and go, man, what if we had that urgency together? Because that, yeah. that is a picture. I mean, those are real lives that are that are suffering mm-hmm. and drowning and need to be need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I thank God for yeah. the way people are, are showing up and caring for all that's going on in Houston and the, in the, in that area. And I mean, it's a beautiful picture of what the church should be. Yeah. And, 
and is, I think, being, you know, I think the church is doing great work there alongside of other people who aren't part of the church. And yet I think that is a picture of what God desires for all of humanity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so that kind of leads us to this last question, which is uh, in light of all of that, you know, we have a lot of people listen to the podcast who are missional community leaders or just people looking to take their first steps into sort of reorienting their life around the mission of God. And, and we also have church leaders and church planters and, and, you know, basically everything in between. But how could people uh, take that step to get involved uh, in this movement of making disciples? What, what would you say to, to some of those people who are just saying, man, this sounds great, Jeff. Uh, what do I do? in my place that God has put me? How do I, how do I take a step towards that? Yeah, I think you start by just looking around and saying, God, give me eyes to see where, what's around me. Why, why did you put me here? Why am I in this neighborhood? Do I know my neighbors? Do, have I been praying for them? Have, mm-hmm. I, have I invited any of them over for a meal? Like it just don't, don't think the mission is somewhere else. The mission is mm-hmm. where you're at. So it could be your neighborhood. It could be a coworker. It could be a fellow student. It could be someone in your dorm room or dorm building. Uh, you know, it could be an apartment that you live in, a complex. Uh, and I think you just start by saying, God, open my eyes. Help me mm-hmm. to see the harvest because it's there. Yeah. And it's all around you. Mm-hmm. And, and then even to say, God, show me what initial steps you want me to take. And I, I regularly tell people to pray for three things when we're talking about where do we begin in terms of mission? And that is, God, give, give us an open door. You know, just open a door. I don't, I don't know where to go, but if you open the door, I'll go, go there. And sometimes that's a neighborhood. Uh, sometimes that's a friend. It could be anything. Or hmm. um, a Samaritan woman, you know, like Jesus yeah. finds a woman in, in desperate need and just lonely and isolated and broken. And God, is there anybody like that around us where we can, we can just, we can begin to love and we can minister to their deep needs. Um, and the beauty of that story with Jesus is that that one woman, her life changed and it led to a whole town coming to faith in Jesus. So who knows what God might do through one person? Like we tend to tend to think, Oh man, we got to reach the world. <laughs> I got a, yeah. I got a, a, a question sent to me from a guy who's, overwhelmed with this idea of every man, woman, and child. And he said, man, now I feel like everywhere I go, I, every single person is my responsibility. <laughs> and and yeah. you know, our, our, our response to something like that is, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's not. Jesus couldn't even do that. I mean, he, was, he had limited ability to minister to every person. That's, nobody can do that. But, mm-hmm. but God may give you one. And, mm-hmm. and usually you know who that person is if you ask him, because he, he usually makes it pretty clear. So that's the second part. And the third is I usually ask for pray for a person of peace. Maybe there's maybe there's a person in your neighborhood or your workplace or your city that just trusts you or that God's given you favor with. And they they have access to a lot of people that could be helped or served. And and God's gonna open doors through that. Um, so I usually ask people to pray to start like that and and to not do it alone. You know, like find a few mm-hmm. other people who say they love Jesus, want to be on his mission. And start praying together and start asking God to open those doors together or show you those Samaritan women together, give you a personal peace together. And, um, mm. and as you do that, you know, one of the first things I tell everybody is make sure you know the gospel. Make sure you regularly rehearse it together. Talk about why you're, Jesus is so amazing. Keep, 
don't forget what, why you do this. It's because of him and what he's done. So just count, keep coming around Jesus together on a regular basis, eat meals together, share life together, actually learn how to be a, a healthy family together. Most of us, a lot of us didn't have healthy families, so look to the disciples and Jesus and how he tried to f- show what family should look like <laughs> and, and start saying, yeah. well, man, what if we were to live like that together in community? Uh, and Because here's the thing. If you're going to make disciples of Jesus, but you don't even love the people that already love Jesus, then that's a really unhealthy place to bring people into. So learn how to love one yeah. another like Jesus loved us, you know. So God, open our eyes. Yeah. Show us where to begin. Make sure we're not doing it alone. Let's learn how to love one another like family while we do it. And then as we mm. love one another like family, God, show us how we can show what the kingdom looks like by how we serve. Just We want to give tangible expression to what you're like by what we do. And then... Yeah. Get ready. First uh, Peter says, when we live like that, First Peter three fifteen, be prepared to give an answer mm-hmm. for the hope that's in you. And uh, so, yeah, that that'd be what I'd say. We're start. You know, a lot of times people think I got to move, I got to join another church, I got to find leaders that are committed to this. Like maybe not. Maybe God yeah. wants you just to stay where you're at and be faithful with what you know, and practice what what He's showing you in the moment. And maybe God will bring change through you to your church, to yeah. your neighborhood. So, so yeah. Uh, bloom where you're planted. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What I loved about what you just said is all of that is just basic life of prayer too. Yeah. You're asking God to give you eyes to see. You're asking God to 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 let you see the people to invest in. You're asking God what's next. You're you're asking God for people to join you. Um, you're you're coming to God in that place of need, which is how we come to God even in the gospel. So the the way we come to God. For salvation is the same way we come to God for his mission, That's too, right. is that total, total need. And if you learn to do that, if you learn to wait on him, be led by him in prayer, follow the Spirit's leading and promptings, you'll find yourself not alone in this. Because <laughs> mm. right? yeah. the Spirit's not just leading one person, he's leading his church. What's beautiful is you'll find yourself eventually arm in arm with other people who are experiencing the same leadership of the Holy Spirit in their life. And which means not only will you be led by the Spirit, but together you'll be empowered and filled with the Spirit to do the work. So that's mm-hmm. the beauty of this. And that, that's the only way this is going to happen, is if together we submit to Him, depend on Him, get filled with Him, and then unite together because the Spirit is one. So He's going to make us one as mm-hmm. we do it. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. That's a good uh, benediction mm-hmm. even. as uh, Wherever anyone's listening to this podcast, if they're about to engage in work or about to you know, wake up their kids from a nap or anything like that. That's a good conviction to, to carry into whatever's next. You're facing the mission right now. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> You're so looking good. at it. <laughs> I love that. Well, well, Jeff, thanks for joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation. I think it's going to encourage many people and even, yeah, in, inspire us uh, to, to good deeds and to good faith uh, So and love. So thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.